Pastor Ray Bentley comments on the sanctifying message of the Gospel of Mark. When John Mark wrote this Gospel regarding the messenger who prepares the way, were far more powerful than we could ever imagine. He said, prepare the way for the Messiah. And that phrase, the way, was get righteous, get ready, purify yourselves, get everything else out of your heart, only have a heart for the Lord. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. When the Bible shows us what's to come, it's not to dazzle us, it's not to impress us that, yes, God in fact does know the future. No, the prophetic glimpses we get are to help us be prepared. They're to help us draw closer to the Lord. And today, we'll see that's one of the key purposes of Mark's gospel. Find your along. Open your Bibles to the Gospel according to Mark. And we're going to just start off looking at the first 11 verses of this incredible Gospel. It says, The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. John Mark starts right off with his thesis. This is it. Yeshua is the Messiah the Son of God, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he puts this story together. Now Mark, look with me in verses two and three. He says, as it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Mark starts off with a quotation from Isaiah. Because Mark, who himself was reading the prophet, his prophets were Isaiah. We can read the prophecies about Jesus and the apostle Paul and Peter in the new covenant. There was, nothing is written now when Mark sits down to write this gospel. So his prophets were like Isaiah. And Mark, by reading the prophet Isaiah, believed that the time that Isaiah had prophesied of the messianic age to come was happening right now through Jesus Christ. And the hour of the good news that Isaiah said, man, wait till you see this. When this happens, the Messiah has come, God has come to deliver you. And when he comes, you'll know it because he'll bring good news. And that is the meaning of the word gospel. So Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. Let's read that out loud together from your notes. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The gospel, the good news, is a message of salvation. You and I can be saved for all time and all eternity by trusting in Yeshua, who is the Messiah. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah? 
And so the gospel is a message of salvation, it's a message of hope, it's a message of joy. Now what you may not know at first glance as you read these verses is that what Mark has actually done is taken three different passages from the Old Testament, from three different books in the Old Covenant and fused them together. Sometimes just a phrase, sometimes just a verse or a part of a verse and he puts those three things together in a way that no one had ever known or seen before. In fact, I put it in your notes. He uses a phrase from Exodus chapter 23. And then he adds another phrase uh, from Malachi chapter three, verse one. And then he closes it with Isaiah chapter 40, verse three. And then he blends them all together and says, this is that which was spoken of by the prophets. The Messiah, Jesus is the Messiah whom the prophets spoke of. And what that shows, number one, is that John Mark really knew the word. He was able then, and that's why it's a good thing to read through the whole Bible. When you're able to say, well, what does this mean? Oh, and you bring this scripture and you put them together, glory comes, revelation comes. When you read and become familiar enough with the word, phrases, ideas, concepts, listen, this is how the Hebrews uh, Hebrew way of thinking. I'm, I'm gonna give you a very, very quick philosophy class. Greek thinking, okay? Imagine I'm at the chalkboard and I'm your teacher. Here's Greek thought. Boom, the chalk hits the, the board. Boom, I put a dot there and I draw a straight line. Like that. Now we come back here, there's that line. I put a little check right in the middle of the line. And what does that mean? It means, you see that little X? That's where you are in time. You're right here. And so the Greek way of thinking is you live for right now. You're that little check. You have nothing to do with the past. Who knows what will happen in the future tomorrow? It's not that important. Live for now, baby. That's modern Greek for some of you. And you know what, that Greek philosophy, look how much that's filtered even to our Western way of thinking. You know, our whole democratic way, we got it from the Greeks, right? And so, you know, it's all about now, it's all about living for now, the past, nonsense, who cares what the ancestors did, future, who knows what that'll be? Grab for all the gusto you can, for now, live for the moment. Now, Hebrew, okay, back in class, teacher, chalkboard, I go boom, like this, and I go then I put a little check on it. That's you. Only this time you're not on a line that is totally unrelated to the past and has no idea what's in the future. You're a check, but you're in a circle. And you are in the circle of life. And that's why, do you know why? And you know, so often, why do they have all these genealogies? When I was a little kid and I read, why do they have all these names? I mean, I'm glad that they knew who they, you know, great, great, great grandpa was, but why did they have these names? Why was it so important to the Jewish people? Because they said, you are the product of your past. If you wanna know who you are, you better find out where you came from and where you have been. And if you wanna, if you, in fact, you know what they, the, why they said history was so important to the Jews and they kept records and this happened and that miracle and God led us here, went to the wilderness and then bread came down from heaven, water came out of a rock and then we would do, build little monuments to remember what God had done. Because if you don't, listen and learn from the past, you will make the same dumb mistakes again in the future, right? So the past is extremely important. And you know what else they said? If you study what God did in the past, there are patterns 
God has patterns. He made the world and the universe with patterns. We have four seasons even that we go through. And then what happens? It starts all over again. If you study those patterns of God, the patterns of the past become prophecies for the future. You want to know the future? And a lot of people, what's going to happen? Where, hey, look what has happened in the past, and you'll get a pretty good idea of where we're headed and where we're going. So it's important to put all these things together. Mark really knew the word. And he put these scriptures together, and he said there's a messenger. He saw that there's a messenger who will prepare your way before you, the way. And the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. I have, I'm going to say something about that in just a moment. But that's what John the Baptist did. Now, look with me in verses 4 through 8. John came baptizing in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Okay, right away, when you're thinking about not only that John the Baptist came and baptized, but where he baptized is significant. Where did he baptize people? Not in the town, not in the city, not even in holy Jerusalem. He was in the wilderness. If you were Jewish, why would that be significant that John baptized people in the wilderness? Because that's where the children of Israel learned and experienced God the most. And that's why he's now reminding them, remember the wilderness? Remember when there was a pillar of fire? Remember there was a cloud? Uh, by day that comforted you. And now here's a new generation. They got Jerusalem, modern city. They've rebuilt the temple and they're hanging out there, but nothing spiritual is happening. Everybody's going to synagogue, church, but there's no miracles. There's no life. Uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees have twisted everything up and made it really religious. And the irony was the most religious people there were keeping people away from God, not bringing them closer to God. So the Lord said, I'm gonna start all over again. Hello, let's go to the wilderness calling for repentance. And then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River confessing their sins. The people were going to the synagogue and they were saying, I'm not getting anything out of church. Are you getting anything out of this? I'm not getting anything out of it. Hey, there's this wild man who is preaching out in the desert. How did, it, do you know when John first started preaching, there were no people? It says he preached to the mountains, to the rocks and to the hills. He's preaching, prepare the way for the Lord. Have you ever felt the word of God burn? It just, it, it's something, it's like you feel, it's like, wow, this is hot. This is going deep. This is like what I would expect God's word to be. And they went to Jerusalem and said, hey man, you guys want a, a kind of a radical, there's this guy, I think he might even be a prophet. He's kind of crazy out in the desert, but... And they brought people out there. And the next thing you know, they started going by dozens and then by hundreds and then by the thousands. Imagine every, you know, Sabbath, Friday, everybody's, you know, crowds of people leaving Jerusalem to go out into the wilderness and to hear John. Even the Pharisees started going out there. Remember that? Why? Because nobody was coming to listen to them. <laughs> so he is preaching. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, we've received encouraging comments from listeners around the country and also near to home. We have been listening to Pastor Ray for 25 years. He was always excited to preach about Jesus and couldn't wait to see him face to face. Now he is happy with the Lord with no more pain or sadness. Thank you for leading our family with your easy to understand sermons every week. 
May the Lord give comfort and strength to the Bentley family. Although he's gone home, his teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now it says in verse 6, Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Now that is full-on prophet garb right there. But do you know why he is wearing camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist? He's dressing like somebody else. Who is he dressing like? There was a prophet that was one of the most famous prophets in all of Israel. And when that prophet was around, literally fire came from heaven on the altar. What was his name? Elijah. John dressed like the prophet Elijah. Do you know why? Because all of a sudden, not only did the people hear the word of God, and all of a sudden fire is like, oh my, this is the word of the Lord. But when he dressed like Elijah, they said, after hundreds, it had been 400 years since the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, had been written. Imagine, they have not heard from a prophet from God for 400 years. And all of a sudden, it's not just a crazy guy dressing like a prophet, it's a guy talking like a prophet and also with the clothing of the prophet. And they started going, this could, is he the Messiah? Who is he Elijah? Who, who, who is this guy? It was electrifying. It electrified that generation. And verse seven, and he preached saying, there comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. So wow. You go and you're impressed by this guy. His word is burning within your heart. You get, you know, the, the goosebumps. Literally, this guy is a prophet from God. And then he's it's the most spiritual guy you've ever heard in your life. And then he says, I'm not worthy to get on my hands and knees and take the sandals off the one who's coming after me. Would you want to know who's coming after this guy? John's preparing the way. He is saying the one you've all been waiting for and that your ancestors prayed for, the Messiah, you're the generation he's coming to. And you guys are not ready. Get ready. Prepare the way the Messiah is coming behind me. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, what began as a phenomenon turned into a national movement, at least among the people. And an hour came of a massive national repentance by people who were Jewish, saying, I haven't been living right. I want the Messiah to come. If he could possibly accept me and, and I could be even worthy to be alive in his generation, he came. They were wanting to get ready. And when John Mark wrote this gospel, these opening verses regarding the messenger who prepares the way were far more powerful than we could ever imagine. He said, prepare the way for the Messiah. And that phrase, the way, was get ready, purify yourselves, get everything else out of your heart, only have a heart for the Lord. Because the Messiah has come to you, the way, the way, the way. There's only one way. And, and they had been trained for centuries. There's only one way to approach God. Even in the New Testament, in Hebrews, it says, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. 
Well, you say, anybody here holy? And they'd all said, no, I'm not. He says, well, you better get baptized then and repent and come and start from scratch. And may I say to you, here's what the Lord's put on my heart. This is, you know, this is exciting. Do you think this is exciting? This is a cool story. John Mark, he's telling about this and you can see it, you can hear it, you can feel it. Guess what? I believe we are similar to the generation that heard John the Baptist. Only we're going to be the ones who see the second coming of the Messiah, not the first. It is time. If I heard, this is what I hear when I pray and I'm studying, like, you know, I'm teaching the gospel. But when I pray and when I go before the throne, here's what I, you know, it's sometimes hard to put words to what the Spirit is telling you. But I, I hear the Holy Spirit so powerfully inside of me. And he is saying, the one who is preparing the way for the second coming is the Holy Spirit. One greater than even John the Baptist is here. The Holy Spirit is preparing the way. And he's saying, where's my bride getting, the wedding is any day now. Where's my bride getting ready? We're going to be married above the angels and seraphim and cherubim. We're the bride. Where is the bride preparing herself? How many of you feel like you're totally ready and worthy to enter heaven immediately and walk the aisle with Jesus Christ? Anybody feel like they're kind of unworthy? I do. Then shouldn't we be getting prepared, preparing the way? This is the hour for the church and the bride to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. And I believe that's what the Lord is saying now. Repentance, holiness, drawing near unto the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are living at such an awesome, awesome, incredible hour. I mean, a lot has happened up until now, but I'll tell you, the world is falling apart and there's no vision and there's no leadership. And the world's getting set up with no vision and no leadership. They're getting set up for the Antichrist. They won't accept Jesus Christ, so they're going to do this whole global thing economically, and they're kind of forcing it even now. But it's interesting as they're all, every, everybody's working together, and we're all trying to kind of cooperate. And, but the one piece that doesn't fit is if you are a follower of the way that Jesus, Yeshua, is the Messiah, the Son of God. It's kind of like, well, you, don't, you guys don't quite fit the mold. And there's pressure, probably persecution coming headed our way. But at the same time, God has, he's going to pour out his spirit and glory, even as he is now for salvation. But even in the church, God wants a radiant church. He wants a church that is spotless, without blemish before him. If you did nothing but spend the rest of your earthly life getting ready and prepared for the wedding of the Lamb of God, you would be doing a good thing. And that's what the Lord's telling me to do. So I'm just sharing with you, that's what I want to do. If that's where you're at, that you just want to be ready, Lord. Not in my own righteousness, but, but just being yielded to your Holy Spirit. So verses 9 through 11, we'll close with this. It says, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. And then a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The first coming of the Messiah, the heavens parted. And I believe that now the heavens are opening 
and parting for him, and soon he shall say, come up here and be with me. He saw the heavens parting, the Spirit descending like the dove, the Holy Spirit's being poured out on all flesh even right now. And then the voice from heaven said, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. First of all, he said, you're my son. This is my son. The first one that John Mark says testified that Jesus is the Messiah, that Yeshua is the son of God, is God the Father. There is a legend that when David was anointed by the prophet Samuel, a heavenly voice proclaimed, this one shall be king. So there's a legend that when David was anointed by the prophet, a voice said, this one shall be king. So also now John Mark is saying that's what the prophet said the Messiah would be, the son of God. Psalm 2 verses 7 and 8 is in your notes. Just read it out loud. I will proclaim the decree. Adonai said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance. The whole wide world will be your possession. And based on this psalm, it is speculated that son of God may have been a title applied to the kings of Israel. Jesus as the son of God. And you know what's amazing is that you and I are destined as sons of God also for glory. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10, let's read that out loud. For in bringing many sons to glory, it was only fitting that God, the creator and preserver of everything, should bring the initiator of their deliverance to the goal through sufferings. We're destined to rule and reign with him. And then the father said, this is my son, my beloved son. That brings us back to Genesis 22, when Abraham was to take Isaac, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there. God knew, he said, I know how you feel about that son, Abraham. He's, your, he's not just your son, he's your beloved son. Now take him and sacrifice him there on the mountain. He is the beloved of God. When Jesus came from heaven to the earth, he is the beloved of God. Just as Isaac was to Abraham, so Jesus is to the Father. Paul echoes that in Ephesians 1, 6. He calls Jesus the beloved to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. You and I have, you have, we have no concept how, how deeply God the Father is in love and glories in his Son. He, he, he just beams about his son. That's all the father wants to talk about. Have you seen my son? That's my son. I'm proud of my son. I glory in my son. Now, when you ask Jesus into your heart, guess where that beloved goes? The beloved goes in you. So when the father sees you, he sees his beloved in you. Guess what? You become the beloved of God. We become his beloved sons and his beloved daughters. He feels just the same passion towards you and me as he does toward his son, with whom I am well pleased, which might also be rendered with whom I delight. He delights in him. The Lord delights in you. And we live in a day when the heavens are opened above us, the hour to prepare the way of the Messiah, our beloved is coming soon. Let's live for him with all we've got. Amen? Amen. Great encouragement today from Pastor Ray Bentley from our opening study in the Gospel of Mark. Glad you joined us today here on Maranatha Radio. And today's study is titled, To the Rescue. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com.
That's raybentley.com. There at the homepage, there's a place to leave a written tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day automatically at no charge. And also link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. So why not bookmark it? RayBentley.com. And you'll find Pastor Ray's books, including his brand new one, The Final Witness, and The Cyrus Mandate, both page-turning prophetic fiction novels in the Elijah Chronicles series. You'll see End Times Prophecy in a whole new light. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.